0: Well, hey, everybody, today we are kicking off a brand new sermon series. Uh, The name of the series is Mine, and I'm actually gonna ask a few people to come forward now, um, and they are going to hand each person an envelope, all right? So they're gonna pass out some envelopes, and there's only one rule. Uh, You cannot open this envelope yet, all right? Can you follow that rule? Can everybody follow the rule? You cannot open the envelope yet, and um, we're gonna do something with this at the end of the message, so just hang on to that. Um, And while they're doing that, uh, I have a confession to make. Um, I'm going camping with some friends soon, and I was looking at all of my camping gear, and I own seven different tents, all right? Uh, Not two or three or five tents, but seven different tents. And I don't know what it is, but I like to accumulate tents i like to buy camping gear and before you judge me i'm guessing every single one of us have an area in our lives that is like this right maybe for you it's clothes maybe it's shoes uh, maybe it's power tools um, maybe it's electronic devices uh, maybe it's books maybe it's kitchen appliances maybe it's toys maybe it's cars maybe it is all of the above for you but whatever it is Um, As Americans, I think we just tend to accumulate a lot of stuff, and it starts early, right? We get a lot of toys as kids, and then we get more stuff when we're teenagers, and then when we move out of the home and into our own dorm room or into an apartment, we have to get more stuff, and then if you ever get married, you automatically double your stuff, and then if you have kids, you triple or quadruple or quintuple your stuff, And then at some point in your life, you have relatives who start passing away and you start inheriting more stuff. And to keep track of all our stuff, we need bigger closets now. We have these massive walk-in closets. We need bigger apartments. We need bigger garages. Some of us can't even park our cars in our garages, right? And we even need bigger homes. Uh, Did you know the average size of a home in the U.S. in 1950 was 900 square feet? Uh, The average size today is 2,500 square feet. So almost three times bigger because we are people who accumulate a whole lot of stuff. And the question is why? Why do we accumulate so much stuff? Right? Why do we keep adding more and more and more? Why is it not enough to have two tenths or three tenths or five tenths? Why do I need seven tenths? Why do we keep buying more clothes and more gadgets and more toys and more stuff? Because the truth is, we all know that more stuff doesn't actually make us happier in the long run, right? We also know that having more stuff adds more stress to our lives. Uh, we also know that having more stuff usually adds more debt into our lives and we all know that one day we're going to have to give away a hundred percent of our stuff right there is coming a day at some point where a hundred percent of the money that we've ever saved or ever earned and a hundred percent of the stuff that we have accumulated we're going to actually have to give away so why is it so hard to give any of it away now why is it that we just keep adding more and more stuff into our lives. C.S. Lewis, I think, offers an answer, or at least an insight, in a book he wrote many, many years ago. It's called The Screwtape Letters. It's a fictional work, okay? It imagines a senior devil is apprenticing a junior devil, trying to tempt humans to the dark side, okay? And in one of these letters that the senior devil writes to the junior devil, here's the advice the senior devil gives. The sense of ownership in general is always to be encouraged. The humans are always putting up claims to ownership which sound equally funny in heaven and hell, and we must keep them doing so. And all the time the joke is that the word mine, in its fully possessive sense, cannot be uttered by a human being about anything. He goes on, In the long run, either our father, so for the devil, that's Satan, Or the enemy, that's God, will say mine of each thing that exists, and especially of each person. They will find out in the end, never fear, to whom their time, their souls, their bodies, and I think he could have added all of their stuff, really belong. Certainly not to them, whatever happens. At present, the enemy says mine of everything on the pedantic, legalistic ground that he made it. Our father hopes in the end to say mine of all things on the more realistic and dynamic ground of conquest. So Lewis has this insight that every time we say mine about something, every time we talk about ownership with respect to anything, whether it's our bodies, our lives, our time, our opportunities, but especially our money, our stuff, our possessions, right? Every time we say mine, it must sound silly, from a bigger perspective, right? From an eternal perspective, because nothing is really mine. Ownership is a myth. Mine, it's a myth. And yet, we all live with the sense of ownership every single day. It drives how we spend our time, it drives how we spend our money, it drives how we spend our lives. In fact, Jesus illustrated this once. He was walking along, and look at what happened. Someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. So apparently there were a couple of brothers and they were arguing about who was going to get what. There was a dispute about money or inheritance. In fact, we've actually read this, uh, this verse a couple of weeks ago and look at what Jesus says. Jesus replied, man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? And then he said to them, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. In other words, life is not about accumulating stuff. Ownership is a myth. And then Jesus goes on, and he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest, He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. And then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and I'll build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. And then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. So, right, Jesus tells the story about a man who is trapped in this ownership mentality. Now, it's interesting because Jesus makes it clear at the beginning of the story That It's the ground that uh, that, uh, yielded this abundant harvest. That's why the man was rich in the first place. It was the ground and it was the weather and it was the seeds and it was the crops and the land that had been good to him, right? That's what had been productive. That's why he was wealthy, but the man was basically ignoring all of that and just focusing on himself. Did you catch all of the first person pronouns he was using? I don't have anywhere to store my crops, right? My produce, my surplus. So here's what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and I'll big, build bigger barns for myself so that I can just keep accumulating more stuff for me. It's all about me. It's all about what I've done, what I have, what I own. And that's the myth of ownership. Now, we're going to contrast this by reading about a group of people who had a very different perspective. It comes from a passage in the Bible in the Old Testament historical books. We talked about those last week, and it comes from a time period in the second half of David's reign as king over the nation of Israel. So David has defeated all of his enemies. He has uh, built and conquered and set this capital of Jerusalem in the middle of the nation. He's brought peace and stability into the land, and he decides that he wants to build a house For God, right there in Jerusalem, a place where God can reside, this great temple in Jerusalem. And apparently, when he pitches this idea to God, God says back to him, nope, you have too much blood on your hands, David. You've been a warrior your whole life. You've made this kingdom what it is through a lot of violence, and I don't want you to build this house for me. I actually want that honor to pass to your son, Solomon. Now, uh, David rarely took no for an answer, right? He always got what he wanted, sometimes to great detriment. But on this occasion, instead of losing his temper, instead of uh, saying, you know, "It's, it's, it's my kingdom and I can do what I want, instead of forcing the issue upon God, instead of complaining, well, that's not fair that he gets to do it, not me, David in this moment makes an incredible decision. He basically says back to God, okay, God, uh, Solomon can have the honor of building this temple, and it will become associated with, with Solomon's name. But here's what I'm going to do even though I don't get to build it, even though it won't be associated with me, even though I'll never see it, I'll never even step foot in it, I'm going to prepare all the plans for it. I'm going to put together all the resources. I'm going to raise all of the money so that when I die, all Solomon has to do is say the word and snap his fingers, and the temple will be built. I want to invest in something now that I will never benefit from. And so look at what David says to the people when he shares all of this with them. This is from 1 Chronicles chapter 29, starting in verse 1. Then King David said to the whole assembly, My son Solomon, the one whom God has chosen, is young and inexperienced. The task is great because this palatial structure is not for man, but for the Lord God. With all my resources I have provided for the temple of my God, gold for the gold work, silver for the silver, bronze for the bronze, iron for the iron, and wood for the wood, as well as onyx for the settings, turquoise, stones of various colors, and all kinds of fine stone and marble, all of these in large quantities. I love that phrase, with all of my resources. Uh, The Hebrew word there translated resources, it really is a broad term. It can mean with all of my might, with all of my strength, with all of my money, with all of my wealth, with all of my power, with all of my abilities, with all of my resources. Not some of my resources, but with all of my resources, I'm giving to this project. He goes on. He says, besides... In my devotion to the temple of my God, I now give my personal treasures of gold and silver for the temple of my God. Over and above everything I have provided for this holy temple 3,000 talents of gold, 7,000 talents of refined silver. And then he just keeps going. So he's making it clear to the people I'm not just giving from the royal treasury. I'm not just giving from my kingdom wealth. I'm also giving above and beyond that from my own personal wealth, my own personal savings. And remember, David didn't grow up rich, right? David came from humble means. He was a peasant shepherd. So he could have said, all of the stuff that I've worked for my entire life, all the stuff that I have bled for, that I have fought for, that I have earned, it's really mine, But he doesn't say that. He doesn't hold anything back. And then he looks at the people and he asks them a question. He says, now, who is willing to consecrate themselves to the Lord today? In other words, I have gone all in. With everything I have, my kingdom wealth, my personal wealth, everything I've got, I've gone all in. Who wants to go in with me? Who wants to join me? And look at what happens next. Then the leaders of families, the officers of the tribes of Israel, the commanders of thousands and commanders of hundreds, and the officials in charge of the king's work gave willingly. They gave toward the work on the temple of God 5,000 talents and 10,000 derricks of gold, 10,000 talents of silver, 18,000 talents of bronze, and 100,000 talents of iron. Anyone who had precious stones gave them to the treasury of the temple of the Lord in the custody of Jehiel the Gershonite, also known as Scott Harrison, the money guy, all right? And the people rejoiced at the willing response of their leaders, for they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord, and David the king also rejoiced greatly. Now, I'm not going to do all the math and calculations for you, but what they gave is an enormous amount it's worth millions and millions of dollars they provided most of the raw materials that would eventually be used to build this massive temple and there was just this massive outpouring of people saying we want to be involved we want to follow your lead david and and nobody stopped at this point and raised their hand and said hold on I, i got a question um David, how much are we supposed to give? Like, how much are you? uh, That was a great little speech you gave there, and you kind of told us about, like, so how much are you expecting each one of us to give? Right? As citizens, is is this a tax that you're kind of announcing? Is Is there a set amount that you're expecting each one of us to give? See, nobody asked that question. Really, what they were asking is, how much can we give? How can we take all of our resources just like you did and all of our abilities and, and just make them available to be a part of what God is doing? And it says they gave with their whole hearts. This is where we get that word wholeheartedly from, meaning they didn't hold any part of their hearts back, no part of their lives did they hold back or keep back. They gave willingly. They gave wholeheartedly. They gave freely because they genuinely wanted to and it says they all rejoiced about it now let's stop there for a moment because i think this is really compelling like imagine being a part of something like that where everybody's just moved and everybody's just giving with their whole hearts and they're not holding anything back and 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 they're they're doing it because it's meaningful to them and it's bringing joy to them and they're part of something big and then god eventually does something amazing through all of this that's really compelling It's also really challenging because I think so many of us have a different attitude when it comes to our stuff or when it comes to our money, right? When someone asks for our money, maybe it's the church or maybe it's an organization or a nonprofit or there's a good cause or there's a need that's put forward in front of us. If we're really honest with ourselves, here's what I think most of us do. We mostly ask, well, how much do I have to give? I mean, I want to give. I want to help meet this need. I want to be generous, right? There's something in each one of our hearts that wants to be generous. I want to be generous, so how much do I have to give in order to be generous? And I certainly don't want to be greedy, right? Nobody wants to be considered greedy. So, so how much do I have to give in order to be considered not greedy? Which really what we're asking when we do that is, how little do I have to give? Like, where's the line? What's the line that when I cross the line, I'm not greedy and I'm considered generous? And the thing about this is, it's not really about giving. The reason we often think this way, or at least I think this way, when it comes to giving, is because I think we bought into the myth of ownership. Right? The myth of mine. We think we're owners that it's all my stuff and I've earned it and I've worked hard for it and we're just like the guy in Jesus' story. It's my money, it's my surplus, it's my barn, it's my earnings, it's my stuff. But that's not the perspective that David or the people of Israel had. In fact, look at what David says next. He praises his prayer, says, David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly saying, praise be to you, Lord, the God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. that phrase, yours is the kingdom, it's a really important phrase. When we hear the word kingdom, we think sort of spiritual kingdom. But David, that's not how he would have used it. David's talking about a real political, literal, actual kingdom, right? David is saying, this kingdom of Israel that I have fought for, that I have worked for, that I have led, that I have ruled, that I have given my life for, that I have bled for, right? This kingdom, Lord, it's not actually my kingdom. It's really your kingdom. Which leads us to ask, what if we had that perspective, When it came to our own lives, what if I I was able to say, and you were able to say, everything I've worked for, everything I've I've earned, everything that I've accomplished, all of the possessions I've been able to gather, all of the achievements that I've made—it's not really mine, Lord. It's all yours. This little kingdom that I have carved out in my own life—it's not my kingdom. It's your kingdom. David goes on and he says one more thing I want to look at in this prayer because it's so powerful. He asks this question. He says, but who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you and we have given you only what comes from your hand. Lord, our God, all this abundance that we have provided for building you a temple for your holy name. It comes from your hand. And all of it belongs to you. This is the heart of David's perspective and the people's perspective. And here's what he's saying. I just want to summarize it for you in three short phrases, and I encourage you to write this down or take a picture of it or try to memorize it because this is where we're going to camp out for the next several weeks in this series. David is saying everything belongs to God, everything comes from God, and everything is distributed by God. Everything belongs to God. That means everything that you have right now in your life, it actually belongs to God. In other words, you're not an owner. I'm not an owner. We are stewards or managers or investors. We don't actually own our money or our stuff. God has given each of these things to each one of us, but they still belong to him. He's just asked us to be stewards of these things. See, ownership is a myth. Everything still belongs to God. Not only does it belong to God, but everything comes from God. David says, all of this abundance that I have, it actually came from your hand, God. Which is the same with every single one of us in this room, right? Whatever you've got, whatever you've been blessed with, it ultimately came from God. And then the third thing is, Equally important, everything is distributed by God. God decided to give different stuff to different people. All right? He made some people smart. He made some people wealthy. He made some people athletic. He made some people creative. He made some people organized. He made some people compassionate. Some of us were given talents that are financially rewarded very well in our culture. And some of us were given talents that are not very well financially rewarded in our culture. Some of us started our lives in a family situation that was very financially blessed, and some of us started our lives in situations that were not so financially blessed. But everything belongs to God, everything comes from God, and everything is distributed by God. And so David asks, how am I and how are we as a people able to be so generous with all of our stuff? The answer is, because there were people that realized they didn't own any of that stuff. It was God's stuff. And we're just being stewards of what he has given us. And it's no different for you. It's no different for me, whether you realize it or not, or even embrace it or not. You are not an owner and I'm not an owner. We are just stewards and do you know what a steward is? Let me just give you one more definition. And this is the definition we're here if we talk to all the financial uh, money managers in the room. Stewardship is protecting and growing the owner's assets to achieve the owner's goals. That's what stewardship is. So God has given us this stuff, but it's his stuff, right? It's his money, it's his wealth, it's his possessions. He's just given it to us to protect. To invest, to use wisely, to grow, to multiply, to put to use toward his goals. And if we all stopped thinking like owners and started thinking like stewards, with respect especially to our money and to our stuff, but really to everything in our lives, imagine how it could change our perspective. Imagine the wholehearted joy that we could experience being his stewards. And imagine what God could do in us and through us if we stopped thinking like owners and started thinking like stewards. So uh, we're going to close the message today by giving everybody a chance to practice being a steward. So did everybody get an envelope? If you didn't get an envelope, just raise your hand and somebody will give you one. All right, everyone got one? Very good. All right, go ahead and open your envelope. It's like Christmas morning, isn't it? All right. And you will see two things in each envelope. Uh, So the first thing is some money. Uh, That is not your money, okay? So here's a principle of stewardship. Uh, Just because something is in your hands does not mean it is yours. Just because you possess it does not mean that you own it. So the money in your hands does not belong to you. It belongs to New Denver Church, Okay? We have given you this money in order to invest it, and you are now a steward of New Denver Church. Now, look around at the person next to you. It's possible they did not get the same amount that you did. Some people got $10, some people got $20. There's a few 50s, a couple of hundreds, and there was $20,000 in one of them. Just kidding. See, the 100 people were like, what? I didn't get the 20,000? I saw it, right? Um, But here's the deal. It doesn't matter if you got more than the person next to you or less than the person next to you. You know why? Because it's not your money, right? Here's what we want you to do. As a steward of New Denver Church, we want you to just invest this money in God's kingdom. You can invest it any way you want. You can add to it. You can multiply it, you can put it with other people, but you just have to invest it in God's kingdom. And then there's a piece of paper that has a QR code and a link on it, and then we want you to go to that link after you've invested it in God's kingdom, and we want you to give an account to us of how you invested it in God's kingdom so that we can celebrate with you together. Now, one last thing, um, you can't give the money back to New Denver Church. You can't do that, And you can't just give the money to someone on a street corner on the way home unless God speaks audibly to you and tells you to do that, okay? Um, And the reason is simply because we want you to go home and think about it. We want you to be intentional. Pray about it. Reflect on it. Talk to others. That's what stewardship is about. When you're a steward, you take it seriously and you're intentional and you invest wisely and thoughtfully and very strategically. You ask the question, God... What's on your heart? How would you have me use this money for the sake of something that you are passionate about? Now, maybe you're here today and you're visiting. Maybe you're not even a church person. Uh, Maybe you don't even really believe the Bible and you're a little confused right now because you thought we were going to ask for money and instead we gave money and you're thinking, I will be back next week, all right? Um... We're not going to give away money again next week. Uh, But we do hope you'll come back. And we hope you participate in this experiment as a community together because we're going to keep talking for the next several weeks about what it looks like to be the stewards that God made us to be. And we want to move towards this belief as a community of faith that everything really does belong to God. Everything comes from God and everything is distributed by God. And that means none of us are really owners. We are his stewards. So let me pray for us. God, we do all desire to be the stewards you've made us to be. And we do desire to be generous and to not be greedy and to not be people whose lives are wrapped up in an abundance of possessions. And so God, I pray that um, in the coming weeks, I pray even with this exercise that you would begin to teach us more and more about what it means to be the stewards you've made us to be. And that even in that process, we would find a sense of joy and purpose and deeper faith in you. We know that you are a good father. We know that you give good gifts to all of us. We acknowledge that earlier. Help us to reflect the generosity that you've shown to each one of us. We pray this in your name, amen.